Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Yes. Are we live? Please do not swear. Well, you can swear because I've got that wee explicit sign on my podcast now, you see. But I mean, I'm not encouraging it or anything, but you know, just if, the, if you're really feeling impassioned about something, then I don't want to, I don't want to censor you. The thing is, I've not mastered how to do those like really cool, like bleep sounds yet in my editing. So if you swear it's staying in, I'm afraid. Well, my friend Marco, anytime we're doing a gig, we did this thing at Celtic Connections. And um, of course, the, the organiser has said to me, look, you know, these are people that are singers and they're aspiring, to, you know, to, to sing. And you, sh- you should sort of clunk a few names of people that you've worked with because they'll find that really interesting. And genuinely, I, I die a wee bit inside when people say, like, what have you done and who have you worked with and stuff? And I imagine you're going to ask me this later on, but... Marco is so funny. He would make like this clunking sound on the keyboards behind me. You know, this this one time I met Beyonce, dong. <laughs> it was like it became like a comedy act, and we're trying to teach you know everyone how to sing. It was brilliant. Amazing. So yeah, so another so, yeah, the so, brave guest, Marco. He's been on the podcast too. He is awesome. I mean, uh, he's got an album out just now, and we just did a live thing. Just incredible. The most amazing musicians and. His album has never been more relevant than what's going on in the world just now. You know, it's, yeah, I was just so proud to be part of that whole body of work. That inspired us doing this today. I guess I better introduce you. Okay. <laughs> I'm chatting to just uh, one of the most talented people that I am honoured to know. Although I feel like I've not seen you in a million years, but Chris Judge, you're on the bra and the brave. Yes. Yes. Yeah, beauty. Right, do I swear now or do I, do I swear later? <laughs> and that's the thing, like, so I did watch Kafola Live because Marco was on the podcast last year and ah, right. I'd already reached out to you and we'd spoke about possibly doing the podcast and then I watched that and then obviously you were performing at the live and I was like, oh, I'm just going to reach out to Chris just to be like, you know the invitation's still there <laughs> and now you're here. I know, I just, it's just that talking about yourself thing. Normally it's over a few bevies, you know, or a couple of drinks in a bar or never really kind of, like being as open and honest and stuff like this. But yeah, I've got a few great stories I could tell you. I bet you do. I the music you. industry better be afraid. <laughs> Hope you make my podcast all controversial, you behave. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Consummate Don't worry. professional as ever, as ever. But yes. yeah, I, I was thinking like, you know, where you go, how do you know somebody? And I'm like, how do, how do I know Chris? And I mean, I'm going to take you back to a time where we were involved in a production and that's how we know each other. But I am going to take you even further back because I want to know from like day dot. So okay. do you have like a, your kind of earliest memory of music, of singing, of music being in your home or in your life? Like, is there just that one standout memory from being a kid? Yes, we were like the Von Trapp family of Grangemouth. You know, my mum and dad sang, my sister played piano, my dad played guitar. Uh, my mum and dad, they used to do the clubs and... They were like a country, country and western duo, and they were so successful around in Scotland. And they did tours with people, and yeah, they were they were so so talented. And um, yeah, I remember being five years old, and and it, it was a charity do at the local community centre, and the song was Ben. 
remember Bet, the Michael Jackson song? Yes. And it was, um, we got up and sang, and of course, yeah, no problem at all. I had learned it all, went on and sang my wee face off and loved every minute. That was five years old, you know, so I had not a care in the world. Uh, and yeah, it was one of those things that I just, it was always any time there was a party or a get together, you know, like typical Scottish fashion. Yes. Right, it's your turn up, you go give, give us a song. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much what our family was like at Christmas and New Year, around the piano, everybody just having a rare, a rare time, you know, singing and stuff like that. So I reckon if it weren't for my mum and dad being musical, I imagine, you know, I don't know what, what would have happened, but that's how it all started, really. I think, you know, that at that age. That is so lovely Bye. that you have those memories of your parents, like performing and just music in your life. Like, and that's just such a time that to some extent it's lost. Like those clubs and people go out on a Saturday, Friday and Saturday night to see live entertainment. Like there's something about yeah. that that's just total magical. And, and to an extent it's lost. I learned so much from doing like clubs. I mean, that was my first time, you know, five-year-old at the at the first time I sang, but then, you know, I actually went on to perform in clubs with mum and dad at the age of 12. And uh, it's so strange because I really used to battle with my nerves and confidence. I was fine in the house, but the minute I got in front of an audience, something changed and I, and I wanted to do it. I was never pressured to sing, but something, I don't know what it was, something in my wiring just kind of, you know, made me clamp up and I would get so nervous, so worked up. And I remember, you know, leaving the stage and feeling so disappointed in myself because I knew, not trying to sound cocky, but I knew that I, I could sing. Of course. But I just used to always be frustrated that I'd let myself down. And um, I don't know if that's just an age thing, but I used to put a lot of pressure on myself because I wanted to do it. But I think, you know, the experience I got working with my parents, you know, doing the clubs, because if you're not any good, they tell you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you get thrown right in at the deep end and... And incidentally, the bingo sometimes is more important than the entertainment. You know, it's like it's so true. The, the, the cabaret or the guest artist, as they would say, or the guest artists, they sometimes are like the warm-up act for the bingo or the prize, whatever. And uh, yeah, so yeah, if you're not good, they tell you. But I have to say, I think doing it more and more as a kid really brought my confidence up. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, that's why I'm quite good at building people's confidence as a, as a singing coach working with people I can I can identify you know what's wrong with people and how they're anxious and and, and that's where I can identify what's going on with them and help them but yeah that was that was the best uh, the best times doing gigs with my mum and dad you know I look back on that with really fond memories I could write a book actually about the stories and the things that happened in the clubs you know yeah. I mean my sister and I did brilliant. it as well we used to do the singing competitions in fact I'm still to this day pretty sure that I sang in a comp at Tannockside Miners with Michelle McManus obviously before wow. she was really and all that and uh, but like the things you saw and we were young as well like we were only kids we were like teenagers or whatever doing them and just like, it's character building stuff but like you say it's like somebody grabs a <laughs> mic to say so and so's car's blocking the entrance or like could somebody move or there's a taxi outside for you <laughs> just like you're you're building it you're doing you're trying to create a wee bit of broadway you know that singing a song from Miss Saigon, yeah, I'm Chris, the American GI, you know, fully costumed, singing the last night of the world, you know, and someone saying, hey, can you announce that pie and, pie and peas are now on sale in the foyer? And you're like, I'm doing my big number here, you know. Well, if you don't do it now, you know, the, the queue will be right round her. Uh, or, or announce that's last orders at the bar, you think, okay. <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> I've made it. But, you know, you've got to embrace it. That's the thing. Uh -huh. There's so many points. Uh, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate 
the experience I've had in all different branches of the the entertainment world, and um, I've learned that I used to be really serious about music and trying to be like you know everything's got to be perfect. And I think, and the reality is, is that sometimes the points that were really bad, they're the things you learn from. And you know, and also just to think, well, okay, I was really bad. I looked ridiculous. I still look ridiculous, but you know, it's just that way of you know. You have to embrace it. It makes you who you are, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, 100%. So. I totally agree. And the thing is, like, if you feel like that's just the thing that you need to be doing, even though it's hard and you'll have those moments where it is a nightmare and it doesn't go to plan, you're still going to get out and do it again because you just love it too much. I know, I miss it. I don't know, do you not miss it so much? It's just like, so when much. when are we going to get back? So much. Yeah, I've realised that in the last, well, I realised pretty quickly, but certainly in the last year, I've realised that I need to be in the room with people. You know, I've not been compelled to dance or choreograph. And I was like, oh no, like, what? why? And it's like, well, it's because you normally are in a room with other humans that will inspire you to be creative and you'll bounce off each other. It's it's really difficult to keep that motivation for me personally when I'm in the house just waiting for the world to open up. But this is why I love doing the podcast because it's just lovely to sit down with somebody and, and almost like reminisce while we're waiting for the world to start turning again. I mean, you what you do with those girls is just absolutely brilliant. Like you say, it, you've, it's get, gets used a lot about being part of a family. We're like a family. But we really do create like a family around about us because if we are taking time away from our family to tour or to do shows, you want to be surrounded by nice people. And, and so, you know, you pick wisely and it is like an extended family. You know, we go through these moments. We share the stage. We have like a, you know, that whole, like the good hormones, you know. Yeah. We're loving it. We're, we're getting the good feedback from an audience. And sometimes people say, yeah, and you get paid for that. And I think that's true. So I almost feel guilty now about complaining, you know, when I was ever on tour in another country thinking about, you know, I just want to get home or I just want to do this. And then, you know, my my friend said to me, well, do you know what? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're you're somebody's night out. Go and just have a word and just get on and do your thing, you know? And I thought, well, right enough. I'm actually, I am somebody's night out. I better sort myself out and just go on and, give, and give it loudly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. But what, what I would give just to get back out there and, and do a gig in front of an audience, speak to people, you know, sing. I just, I miss it so much. But I think we're there. I think we're almost there. I think we're almost there. The light is, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is just lovely. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a pure gospel song. Yeah, I see Uh the light. We do. I'm I'm watching it with (laughs) bated breath. (laughs) So, like, obviously coming from a musical family, you were already performing, you know, at a young age. Was that the goal then? I'm just going to stay on this train and that's what I'm going to do as a living. I didn't know. No, I enjoyed it, you know. and, And, of course, at that age, you know, you're meeting your pals, becoming a teenager. You know, I was involved in sort of amateur the Amdram theatres doing all the plays and pantos and stuff and I just enjoyed the whole meeting new people you know new places I've visited probably every town in in Scotland um, and just by doing the gigs so I had this brilliant sort of time spending it with my parents and of course people would come and see us and we'd see family and friends and it was such a really happy time and um I think my mum used to feel guilty by saying, oh, you're, you maybe want to go with your pals now. I'm like, well, no, my pals can come to the gigs, you know. I'm not missing out. I just, it was like that jag, you know, like I really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, it, it, it meant that I didn't have to pay as much dig money, you know. There's a wee, you know, 20 quid, you know, for your, for your hip. I was like, yes, I'm getting paid as well. But yeah, I think I was always that, you need to get a proper job. It was always that, what's going to be plan B? What are you going to do? And, and of course, at school, I, I wasn't bad at school. But I was like a bit of a, 
I like to laugh, you know. I never, t- I was a bit of a dreamer. I did dream of, you know, being in shows and doing stuff. So I was quite distracted by actual the academic side of school. So as a result, I would be down at the music block, like writing songs with my pal and uh, just like being creative there. And the music teachers were really good with us um, at school. And they just they knew, you know, that nothing bad was going to happen. Or so they thought. <laughs> there was a few a few dramas with pianos flying down corridors and all that kind of thing. But but um, for the most part, it was it was great experience. And I think that's how I learned. I taught myself piano, learned songwriting you know, at secondary school. So it wasn't a complete waste of time. I, I Obviously, music, I, I developed my music skills there mm. and did really well with that. But um, as far as mathematics and science and all these things, nah, I wasn't any good at that. I used to write songs about the teachers, you know, like parodies and jokes and things. I always get into trouble, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, making a, making a fool of things. But yeah, you live and learn, don't you? I wish I could go back and learn. And the thing is, my kids are so clever. I don't know where they get, it must be for their mum, because I don't know how, you know, they get these awards for this and awards for that, I think. I don't know how that, how that worked. It must it's be, just it must obviously what well, you were, you were kind of interested in, you know, like it's, it's what you want to put your time and energy into. And that's what I think about schools. They're, I think they're far better now at harnessing and honing the skills and the talents of young people, not putting people in boxes as well. Like yeah. Deeming that you are academic because you do maths or science, but you're not, so if you do music, and that's obviously not true. You know? Well, my pro- my proper job came about, and, and I laugh about it now, I, I actually ended up, when I left school, I ended up being an estate agent. Did now, you? I know, I know that sounds quite, you know, it's like, wow. But I was, I was terrible, you know. I think I was good in that I could sell things and, you know, hit my targets, you know. We need to sell advertising to these people. And, and of course, I was good with the, I had like a little, bunch of people that were selling their house and I had a good bit of banter with them and and I think I was good at getting people into the houses and it was obviously different back then before computers and you they had like a callback thing where you used to have a wee bit of banter with the people you were selling for and I did I enjoyed that you know and going to the houses and showing them around and it was exciting I was like 18 18 19 at the time yeah and I did enjoy it but the, the thing is sometimes you had to tell lies, you know, <laughs> that whole thing saying, yeah. yes, this, this property is rather tired, which really meant it's fallen down, you know, <laughs> watch when you're banging the door on the way out because it might fall down on a bit. But yeah, I, I felt that when it came to telling the lies and try to talk things up, I just, my conscience was killing me. I'm like, nah, I don't know. don't know if this is for me, you know? So yeah, yeah it was, it was brief, but very enjoyable. And that's the thing about sometimes thinking about, oh, if I had my time again, would I do something different? You're like, well, you know, you wouldn't have had all these amazing experiences and things necessarily. So it's like all part of your story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. While you're an estate agent, are you still gigging? Are you still performing, pursuing music? Yeah, still, still gigging at the weekends with my mum and dad. It was, it was completely, it was like two different worlds. Mm. But I think I was more interested in the performance world. Yeah. I was getting paid. I was getting a chance to perform and sing and hone my craft, really. Even as an estate agent, I'm looking at the window, dreaming, thinking, you know, what's next? What's, you know, this yeah. isn't for me. I, kinda, I think I, I learned a lot from from working, you know, with the, the people I worked with. Like a workplace, you know, the people that you like and the people that you dislike. And uh, so that was my first sort of introduction to like a proper job at <laughs> like the workplace. Yeah, I learned a few life lessons about, you know, people that you can trust and people you can't trust, you know. Yeah. 
yeah, I think it's all part and parcel of growing up. You know, you, mm. you make mistakes, you learn from them. So I was trying to think back to like when we met at first. So I, you, you obviously mentioned your very talented wife, Nadine. And I, so I knew of Nadine and had met her briefly because I worked for a dance company who promoted traditional dance in Scotland and Nadine's performers would come and do the competitions and performances and they were always amazing so you're always like Nadine's dancers are always going to just kill it and then I was randomly asked to perform for a friend in a show they'd written called Mistletoe and the Divines Wow! I'm no an actor, but all right, (laughs) okay, I'll do it. You were amazing. You were amazing. You and Eddie Dobie were like love is young dream. Who knew that could be a thing? (laughs) It was just so much fun. We had such a blast. (laughs) But yeah, but you you had a you had a very important role in that show, and I think that was like the first time I'd actually met you. So I knew who you were, but that was the first time we'd met, and you were playing a drunk man on a park bench. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Told a, hold a, a decent tune for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I think my favourite part in that show was. I mean, I, I'm a, I am I am a frustrated actor. I wish I could do it. I've had a couple of wee cameos and things, and uh, it's been great. But it's so hard. It's not as easy as it looks. No. I think it's like. But I just like pushing myself. I like coming out of my comfort zone. I like doing things, you know, like that that make, that give you that kind of butterfly feeling. Like, oh, yeah. I do like that, and I think. Um, you know, it was Eddie actually that got me involved, and he said, "Oh, I think you should. You'd be great at this." There's a couple of wee cameos. You up for it? I was like, "Yeah, hold me back. Let, <laughs> let's do it." You know. So it was a brilliant show, a great team of people, mm. and uh, but my favourite part was being the flasher because I had to run across the stage at one right, point so with a big in flash. So I, I loved that. That was that was my favourite part. Although <laughs> the audience will never know if it was a real flash. They will never know. Or it was just a. We'll never know that. But um, Motherwell Concert yeah. Hall will. <laughs> be forever in doubt as to whether whether that happened yeah I know so Rab the Rocker yeah my first acting, right. acting debut loved it as I say knowing who you were and then we had that you know that because it was just like a, a month or so of rehearsing and putting it together and then we did it again the next year the next Christmas I remember and then yeah I think it was just like we were out gigging the, the Kennedy Cupcakes that you kindly mentioned earlier on and then I was like oh, Soul Nation Choir and then of course I was just like oh that's Chris Judge. Oh, there's Eddie Dobie. And there's like Lisa McKechnie. And loads of people, loads of talented people that I know. <laughs> and Chris, like Soul Nation Choir. I mean, I know you've got, you know, your own career and we'll, we'll, we can talk about that as well. But like the choir is just phenomenal. Oh, thanks. You know, it's the best fun I ever have. Just a good, like I said before, a great bunch of people. And people always say to me, do you audition for this choir? How do you get in the choir? And, and the truth is, is that we just find we find each other. It sounds quite, but it's true. We 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 just, you know, somebody knows somebody, and they just come along. It just works, and they're all nice people, and we are like a family, just like you are with the cupcakes. You know, yeah. it's that kind of coming together, creating little moments. And the thing is, it was all the way it started was uh, a friend of mine's uh, Fiona had got in touch and said, "Look, there's a you know loads of singers. You know, being the singing coach guy, you know the singers." I've been asked to put something together for an event and it was quite crazy. We basically had to dress as monks and uh, <laughs> enter this room like, with this Gregorian chant music and we were to walk and sort of walk through the, the, the crowd, appear on the stage, whip the robes off and burst into Madonna's like a prayer. I thought, well, I'm the kind of, I can sort that. So the first gig was hilarious and it was fun. And I thought, right, well, I need to pick wisely. I need to get a decent team of people that can actually 
not just sing, but be able to perform. Mm. And, I, and I landed so lucky. I mean, we've got this core group in the choir. You know, we've got people that have won Olivia Awards, people that are actresses, they've done musical theatre, people that have had record deals. They're just the most amazingly fabulous, talented people. And I do love them. They're great people. And like I say, it's a pleasure, never a chore getting together. I am the serious person in, in the group. And, and by nature, I'm not. I like, I like to have a joke and have a guy's. But when it comes to choir, I, I get I'm the grumpy one. You know, that's got to try and right focus, guys. Come on, let's get this. You know, yeah. but inside I'm laughing with them. You know, they're just there's never a dull moment. I mean, you can imagine people like Eddie and stuff. You, can, you just there's never a dull moment in that choir, and it's great. And the thing is, we could do anything. We can appear. You know, we can appear in a show. We could mm. appear at someone's wedding, like an event, a recording session. So it's this pool of talent that we can manipulate to whatever. And yeah. I've got the saying, you know, where there's dough, there's a show, you know, it depends what you're looking for, you know. You know that's the versatility, though, that's the, your skill set, you know, in putting that together. And that's because that's why you need to be the serious guy, because it's your name you've put something to. Like, all these years that you've been working on your craft, honing your craft, it's important to you that you're putting something out there that's professional. And I, I totally get it from the, the Cupcakes perspective, because it's one thing being the most talented dancer or performer or singer but you need the right people like good people who are going to have the same like ethos as you and and care about exactly. it you're bang on that's the thing you know i always you'll be the same i feel responsible because of the people that are in it i do feel that it's there is a, a responsibility to make sure that they are the best and they are represented the best the best of songs the best of music the best performance opportunities i always feel like you know I need to make sure that we're we are the best. It's not a competition. We are a unique thing. But I always find at the forefront, it's all about fun, sharing talent, and giving everybody moments. I mean, the things that we've achieved being part of this group of talent are just mind blowing. And I think it's just I don't go looking for them; they just seem to happen. Yeah, the, the first gig that we did, the first big gig we did was just, it came about just a conversation. Um, as a backing singer, I've done a lot of work with a lot of big names. And one of my favourite bands are, is Deacon Blue. And Ricky Ross had, he said, like, we're going to be playing the Hydro. It's just opened. And I said, oh, that's amazing. You know, so we weren't we weren't talking about the choir. We weren't talking about anything. And, and I was joking. You know, I would never do this because it's really cringe. But I said, what you really need, Ricky, as Scotland's best gospel choir to come up at the end of the show and, you know, appear on a riser as if by magic and just be a great finale to your show. I expect them to go, aye, nice one, Chris. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what we're going to do. And he did. He actually did. He was like, that sounds like a good idea. Right, I'll get, I'll get my manager to get in touch with you. I'm like, are you serious? He was like, aye. So suddenly, like normally, <laughs> you know what it's like when you put a, you put the the word out for a, for a gig. It's like, oh, sorry, I've got this and that. I said, hey, I've got a wee gig at the Hydro. I don't know if you're interested. Everyone's like, yeah, we're free, we're free, and it was just amazing. It was one of those pinch yourself moments. It was a capacity crowd. The atmosphere was Christmas time. The atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, that that was one of my highlights. I think for the choir was performing at the Hydro with Deacon Blue and the best. The best group of people, really, mm. Deacon Blue, you know, Lorraine and Ricky are lovely guys, and the band were brilliant. I just loved it. It was great. You know, like, right, what's that's, next? <laughs> that's pretty big. I, like, how do you top the hydro? But like you say, like, you know, you also perform at people's weddings, and every gig is important. Like, you come at every gig with that professionalism, and, it, you know, it's like, well, someone's, like, 
I'm somebody's night out, whether it's the hydro or somebody's wedding, and they're of equal importance. Yeah, yeah. But there'll be those gigs that are stand out for various reasons, kind of thing. Well, obviously the hydro is just like you know monumental, and obviously Deacon Blue. In terms of like the music and the, the name of the choirs, like Soul Nation, did you start the choir because you wanted to be able to sing certain types of music? Yeah, I mean my heart is in gospel and soul music. I grew up listening to like Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. Uh, Luther Vandross, Stevie Wonder, you know, all the greats. That That's totally my jam and I love all of that. And of course, it's always been said that, you know, listening to me speaking and listening to me singing are two different things completely, you know. It's just because I just love that that feel, you know. It's more like a, it's not just singing. I always say to people, bring it when you sing it, make it count, you know, don't be scared to let your voice crack or break. Just feel, you know, put it all out there, bring that energy and, like I say, so everybody, you know, they don't all have gospel soul voices, but when they perform, I always say we perform with the energy of an uplifting gospel choir. Because in the choir, you know, we, we tick a lot of boxes, you know, we've got, you know, all different styles of singers, a full mixed bag of love and positivity and energy. And when we come together, yeah, we're, we're creating, we're giving somebody a moment, but we're having the same moment ourselves yeah. and it's just great. It's just, we get to share music together and it's just, there's nothing, nothing comes close to that feeling, you know? Absolutely. Cause I've saw that like, you've done your like fringe shows and stuff as well. And you just see like, I've saw footage of like your crowds and just people just absolutely loving it. And like when you, you did like a kind of residency at Wild Cabaret when that was, had started and because like just every every bit of footage that I've seen of the choir or you know if I've had the privilege of seeing you live like everybody just loves you and it's you know it's evident why like the the sounds that you create together like every individual person that choir is just uber talented like you're saying but you as a choir master has all have obviously brought that together it's not just like right everybody sing a song like there's a lot of work that goes behind into that behind the scenes yeah. I would imagine well, you, you have no idea what it's like behind the scenes. <laughs> but what, what I would say is, though, is that they've all served their apprenticeship. They're all great in their own branches and the, their own careers. So when we do come together, I'm quite relaxed in the sense that I know that they'll deliver. I know they'll perform. I don't have to psych them up. I think what I like about the choir and, and what's important to me is that normally when you go to see a show or see a singer, well, not normally, but sometimes you go to see a show or a singer, there seems to be that wall between the, the stage and the audience, I like to break through the wall and I'm not scared to show our vulnerable side and show that we're just normal people doing it. I like the audience to feel that they're part of their show. So there is more like an experience mm -hmm. rather than we went to see a choir and they were really good, but they were just there and we were there and it was nice. You know, for instance, if somebody was wanting to get involved in a song, I would get them up there. You know, mm -hmm. there's the mic. Let's get involved. Join us, you know, get involved in it to make it more of an experience in the wild cabaret was just a great vehicle for us to do that. It was a yeah. brilliant size venue. Um, the people that ran the Wild Cabaret were great people. They took care of us. And some people that worked in Wild Cabaret actually became part of the choir yeah. because it was that vibe, you know, Chelsea Larkins, one of oh, our singers. Her voice, she, she's amazing. Yeah. Well, who knew? We didn't, I had no idea that she could sing like that. And she said to me, you know, I'm, I love you guys. I love when you come into the Wild Cabaret. It just lifts. And um, she said, I need, to get, I need to get up there and sing with you. I went, well, come on then. Let's let's do it. And then she opened her mouth and everybody just went, <laughs> okay, all right, okay, that's fine. So she's like, can I join? I went, ah, you're in. You know, come on. Let's, let's do this. done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? So what I would give just to be back there than now doing that, you know, it just brings back 
so much good vibes. I mean, that was a great time, that, mm-hmm. that venue. And I can't wait to, to go back and do something like that again. It was an idea that I, I seen in uh, Orlando, the gospel brunch concept where they were put on a big buffet, like yes. you can imagine a big American buffet style brunch. And then, you know, a choir would come on or a soul band would come on. And yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're praising in your own way. Perfect, perfect <laughs> afternoon. Gosh, yeah. ever more so now or like bring back that, those vibes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you obviously like alongside doing the choir which seems like a you know a job in itself like you obviously mentioned that you you still have been singing professionally as you know as a backing singer and lead singer on your own solo projects and working for other people and touring and are there particular highlights of that aspect of your work whether it be more recently or in the past that you're just like that was like a pivotal moment or that's just like a total pinch me never thought I would be here doing this I mean this is obviously where I'm going to clunk names and stuff I mean I can divide myself in three different places so mm. I am the singer and that's lent itself to the Chili Pipers I've been very fortunate that I can tour the world with this band that are an amazing group of people um, it's bagpipes it's more a show than than a band actually it's like a full-on thing and uh, you know I've done a, I've toured the world a few times with a band and it's great you know the fact that I'm 45 year old jumping about the stage and I kill singing Don't Stop Believing, you know, it does seem a bit surreal even <laughs> mentioning that, but the American market in particular, they really embrace the whole cultural uh, aspect of it. And it's been it's so much fun and it's, it's great to be part of that. I think the band's done amazing putting, mm. you know, selling out something that's so special to us in Scotland, whether you like the bagpipes or hate the bagpipes, you yeah. can't deny it's part of our culture. And the fact that it's celebrated so much, even more so, I would say, in the other part of the, the world. You know, it's brilliant. Great to be part of that. And so there's been so many amazing highlights in the Chilis. When I'm not um, singing with them, obviously the choir, so I'm getting my, my gospel fix. I also work as a singing coach, and one of my biggest clients is Susan Boyle. She is just the most amazing human being, and she seems to attract the most amazing uh, opportunities she's actually just texted me there just now shut the front door <laughs> that is so spooky it just came up there i've got oh. i'll give her another name in my phone so she's called something else which i can't tell you what no, she's don't called tell us, of but because that's giving the game away but it just came up on my phone there that oh. is really weird so with susan you know i've worked on america's got talent america's got talent the champions so working with susan it can mean just jumping on a flight to miami at the drop of a hat where she'll go and perform at a big gala dinner maybe sing a few songs and of course i'm part of her team so i get to go along get to go to miami get to hang out um, and yeah just just help her be part of our team support her give her a warm-up before our show and yeah she she's just something else she's a national treasure for sure Absolutely. and her voice she just connects you know she really the emotion in her voice she really connects and mm. especially in america it's like it's funny she can walk around her town in blackburn and people know her as being susan but she goes to america and the minute we arrive in an airport we've got security we've got big oh. bodyguards it's unreal you know it's lovely to hear that our talent has been recognized beyond those kind of tv programs that you see yeah. quite often somebody will maybe win that or get far on it and then you maybe hear they're a bit of a flash in the pan but you know she obviously had the talent to back it up to have that you know longevity because that was years ago that she was 
So 10 years, we've just done the, the 10 album, celebrating 10 years, Jeez, and that came oh. out last year. And yeah, 10 years since that show. But I have to say, contrary to what you read in the press, what you read in the press, I've learned in my experience, you know, you, you take it with a pinch of salt, you know, the, the way the PR machines work. What, what I have seen first sight is how well she's taken care of when it comes to like Simon Cowell and all, you know, his production team. When she does a show like America's Got Talent, they are so good to her and they treat her so well. And she feels like it's part of her family. I mean, she loves performing. So just to get that, just to get that out there is that she, they really do take care of her. They're, you know, they're, they, they make the most of her. They celebrate her success. She's a sweetheart. And I've been very lucky to see, you know, the real Susan, not just yeah. the one that people see in the press, um, good or bad. I get to see the real one. And But it I just suppose... makes sense to me that you're on her team. Like, knowing, I don't know you super well, obviously. We've not spent hundreds of time, Chris, but I just get, I've always got a vibe from you that you're just a decent person doing your very best. And it just speaks volumes that you're on her team. And that she's Aww. she's obviously got a career to protect, just like you were talking about the choir. You're not just going to let anybody in there because it's your baby, it's your family. You're protective over that, and quite rightly so. And she'll be the same. Like it's important to her. Like she's not done ten years just on a whim. Like it, you know, it's because she's obviously surrounded herself with the right people, and you know, good people, but also people that are worth their weight in gold. And that's you in terms of your talent. What's strange? It's funny. It's kind of it's like a full circle thing. Is that Susan? remembers me singing with my mum and dad years ago oh, in the clubs oh, yeah so so obviously I, I'd always been wanting to meet her and I thought I'll, I'll meet her one of these days at a gig or something right. and uh, we were doing we were doing a big um charity event for Celtic and that was really how we got together someone had said look Susan's there can you help maybe help her with her our in-ear monitors and can you maybe give her a, I know you're the singing guy can you give her a wee warm-up and stuff I think her other coach was was not available at that time I was like absolutely no worries so I went and we got on like a house and fire you know what it's like in music it's musical chairs we get a job we move from one job to the next and he said look there's a job here if you want it you know you know you get on like a house and fire you know do you fancy doing some more gigs with us and I was like absolutely and then um, you know we just went from strength to strength I do feel a real connection with her and I think that like I say my role is you know I don't think Susan's ever needed a singing coach because <laughs> she's got a great voice I think it's more a supportive role and just like making sure that she's comfortable you know she can hear get a good mix in her headphones she does a good warm-up and like you say she's got a good team around about her so that she can do what she does best in a nice relaxed atmosphere but yeah, yeah I mean it goes it goes a lot deeper than that eh, when it comes to things that have happened in her life so I remember she was going for the champions. America's Got Talent champions. And uh, my dad was really ill at that point in time. And um, yeah, he wasn't doing too great. So we did the first uh, round. There was two rounds. First round, and she got the golden buzzer. Okay. So um, she, she she qualified. And this was the champion. So it's the best of the best um, yeah. people that in the world. So they've all won. America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent or Germany's Got Talent. So they've all got successful careers now. So they're all competing to do, to be like the best of the best, yeah. so uh, so Susan made it. So we came back. So we flew to LA to film that. We came back, and so we had two weeks to spare. And in that two weeks, my dad had his health had deteriorated, and um, I was thinking, I don't know if I can make this trip back to back to America. And um, my dad had said to me, 
Uh, no son, like you know, in his in his mental state, he had dementia. Um, to understand, mm-hmm. in his mental state, he said, "No, no, he could sense that I was good for Susan." He was like, "No, you get back over there and get her to number one." In his brain, that was what Gosh. I was doing, you know. Yeah. And he said, "No, you go, you go, and you you're doing well together. You're a good team. Away you go back." I said, "Are you sure, Dad? You're not you're not doing too great." And he was like, "No, you go." So in his wishes, I went back to, so she could compete in the final. Arrived in LA and he died that morning. So I wasn't I wasn't here. Uh, but you know, and at the time I cut myself up about it. I did think, you know, I can't believe I wasn't there, you know, and I and I, I think in my heart, you know, well, you never know. You never know when someone's gonna die. But I, I think in, I was thinking, you know, I went on his wishes. He said to me, you know, you go. So I was still doing what he wanted me to do. Absolutely. And of course, there was nothing I could have done once I was there. No. Once someone dies, it's just the arrangements. And of course, FaceTime, yeah. we managed to sort everything out. And like I say, Susan was so good there. She was so she knew straight away something mm-hmm. was wrong. And she was a wee diamond, you know. She was like, right, come on, let's let's yeah. go and do this for our dads, you know. <laughs> let's oh. go and knock it out of the park. Yeah. And it was amazing. She went on and she did so well. So that I guess I'm I'm heading to the highlight. So then the year later, my dad was quite you know a spiritual person. The year later, Susan got invited uh, to the Vatican to perform for His Holiness the Pope, and obviously who gets to go as part of her team? Jesus. But me and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. And I don't know. In, in my own way, I think that's my dad working his magic upstairs. You know, he's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and so uh, the connection with Susan gets even stronger there you know it's like oh, I can't believe that a wee scrubber for Dangemouth is getting to actually meet the Pope and shake his hand back in the day I mean I don't know if you'll even be able to do that these days but yeah. this was like before Covid all kicked off and it was like yeah so I got to meet the Pope also got to hang out with Lionel Richie and Bonnie oh, Tyler and I know it was like I'm, I'm just like could not believe this actually happened and of course my friend Brian's the biggest Lionel Richie fan, so we're doing a sound check, and I'm FaceTiming, and I'm going, look who that is, and he's like, Jeez. I can't believe that. So, yeah, of course, I could clunk so many names, but they, that was like a day I'll never forget. Meeting the Pope, yeah. hanging out with Lionel Richie, you know, and, they, oh, and on that night, the, on the night of the, the performance, there was this amazing gospel choir that, that sang at the very end of the show. I was in heaven, honestly. I Meeting the Pope, were. gospel choir. Susan went on and she she did. I had a great night. She sang uh, "I Dreamed a Dream" and they Gosh. loved it. The atmosphere at the Vatican was just unbelievable. Oh yeah. So at that moment, I thought, right, well, it can only be downhill for I now. Was going to say, you must have been like, all right, well, how, how am I going to top this? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it just yeah. If yeah, it was just the most amazing experience ever. Obviously, you do appreciate all the opportunities. But you've made them happen. Like, I know you were saying, like, you know, you you obviously can't plan all these things, but, you know, you put good things out in the world, you put good energy, you work hard, and the benefits will come to you. Do you I mean, like, the things that you deserve have came your way. Like, you were meant to be there doing that. Yeah, I just sometimes you just, it, it's not until retrospect, you know, you think back, you think, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's bizarre. And, and I do feel really grateful that I've had these amazing opportunities um, where I've not necessarily been, you know, the focal point of being like the star mm. or doing being the main performer. I do enjoy being part of a team. I do enjoy sharing the experience. So, yeah, having that experience with Susan, you know, it definitely is mind-blowing stuff. It is the stuff of dreams. And um, 
yeah, just the fact that the world is really small when you think about it, you know, the yeah. fact that she'll say, I remember you in the bowling club, and I think, and here we are, you know, you know, uh, you know, in America filming a big show or, you know, meeting the Pope, just, just, just amazing. Um, and at the same time, you know, after that's done, it's right, okay, right, what's next, you know? But I, life is too short. I, I think if I've learned anything over the lockdown thing is to appreciate the important things and the fact that, you know, it's it's not a dress rehearsal. This is life. Make the most of it. You know, just, you know, we, we always complain about things. And, and I think a lot of the time we really shouldn't. We should just kind of suck it up and just deal with what we're given and make the most. Because, like I say, some people with the most humble beginnings you know and you know the poorest people can be the happiest people and you know no matter how much money you've got in the bank it really doesn't bring you happiness at the end of the day so you know I'm very very happy I've got a great family great pals and they've helped me adjust to the lockdown because it's been a big adjustment coming from that busy fast you know bang 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 lifestyle to actually locking yourself away like Back in May, I was actually going off my head. I was not adjusting properly, and I, I've got a greater understanding on mental health. You know, mm. everyone's very spreading awareness on mental health. Obviously, working with people that I work with, I, you know, I work with a few people who have mental health issues, and you know, with singing and coaching and stuff. So I do have a greater understanding of how that can affect you. You know, yeah. so um, something as simple as locking yourself away when you're a social being can completely transform your thoughts. You know, Absolutely. when you're doing what you think you're doing right. So um, I think a positive of the lockdown is I've, I've, I've tried to get fit, you know, going on my walks and listening to podcasts like this, you know, yes. and getting out and about. It's been really good. Get, I've, uh-huh. I appreciated my, my hometown. Getting out and about has been great just to kind of get back to some kind of normality, you know, as opposed to going on a night out, you're meeting up and for a coffee in a park. You're right. Like this has been time to take stock of what has been so far and what is important. And it is all those connections with all those people like it's the stories that you've accumulated over the years, but it's all the people you've worked with and all the, the opportunities that you've had. Like it's taking that forward and with gratitude in it, just to be like, you know, this is amazing that we get to do this as a job. I know. I mean, this is like therapy. I just like reliving these moments. Like saying, you know, I'm actually thinking, wow, that that is that is amazing. You know, over this time, you know, obviously we were speaking before we started recording. You said you've been doing some online coaching and stuff. Is that just something that you've always done as well, teach and, and, and do the vocal coaching? I started coaching um, when Nadine was going to get someone into the, the dance school. She went, I need to get, you know, the kids want to do more musical theatre. There's only one of me. I'm doing teaching ballet tap, jazz, modern, blah, 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 every kind of dance you can ever imagine. Yeah. I'm doing the competitions with the kids. I need a bit of help with the singing. The school's been established for like over 50 years. Her mum started the school doing Highland dancing and was a massive success, won the world titles multiple times. Nadine won the world uh, Highland championship when she was 16. So the two of them, you know, had this great recipe for success producing Mm -hmm. champions and Nadine brought the stage element to the school. So then I brought the music element. She was like, I need a vocal coach. I'm like, what, teaching kids? You're having a laugh. I'm not doing that, you know. (laughs) Sort of like 20 20 years later and I'm still doing it. And, And it's great. I mean, I do have to say, it wasn't my first choice of, you know, job to teach people. But I have to say, over lockdown, when there's been nothing else to do, you know, I'm very grateful that I've had mm-hmm. that thing to fall back on. If nothing other, just to keep my creative brain going and just helping people. There's no better feeling than seeing someone that I can identify with is have no confidence, seeing them performing and singing and winning and, and getting the little jab. I mean, you you know yourself, that in itself is so rewarding. 
you know, I always say to singers, bring, you know, get in your comfortable zone, you know, whether it be in the house, in your jammies, chilling in your room, wherever you are, bring that comfort place to your stage mm-hmm. and then you'll be relaxed. Then you'll be able to do everything that you need, you know. So you've got front of house, the performance side of it, and then you've got behind the scenes with a good technique supporting your voice. Mm-hmm. If you can nail the two, bring them together and then, you know, bring it when you sing it, as I say, then then you're off. But, you know, I have enjoyed that. That's my plan B's kicked in quicker than I thought it would because I've not been able to perform. Yeah. Having the teaching side has definitely been great. Granted, on Zoom, it's not easy because the timing, latency issues and stuff. It's almost like a gig before each Zoom. It's like <laughs> pressing the on button going, right, how are you? So, you know, it's, it's, it's like a gig in a sense because you're like trying to psych yourself up. By the end of the session, you, you're like, ugh. It's it's dead draining. Like I mean, you come on like off after an hour, you're like, I'm actually shard. And normally, I'd be like driving about the country, like working for like eight in the morning to like twelve at night, no bother. And then I'm on Zoom for an hour, and I'm like, oh, I'm knackered. We'll need to get back in training for when we can. We're allowed out by the way. We will. (laughs) (laughs) The first gig, and we'll only need a week off. But no, it's just like I think I've just always you've always been on my radar. Like even pre podcast, like I've always just like known Chris. And knowing what you do, but just always wanted to ask the questions, wanted to know, like, how did it all start and, like, what your inspirations were? And, like, obviously your parents were massive inspiration in the type of music that you were listening to. And you were obviously exposed to so many different types of music. This age and doing it this long, are you still listening to different types of music or do you, you have your, your favourites? I find teaching, like, the kids, the younger ones, they'll bring a song that I've never heard before. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll maybe investigate that, you know? And so I'm always trying to you know, refresh my, you know, some of the stuff though that, that I listen to that I can't identify with. Like I say, I've just got to kind of try and help them as best I can, you know. But I do like to like online, you know, sometimes mm. if you just go on YouTube, you're searching for something and it opens up something else. You think, wow, I didn't know about that. And then suddenly it's a good way of learning about new music, different styles, new acts, and even like social media. Like, of course, everyone's living on TikTok these days. And yes. I have to say it, it's good in that it's, it's allowing people to be self-contained. Even the wee guy that was doing the sea shanty thing, you know, just in yeah. his room, he has used that platform to to get seen. I think that's just incredible, you know. Yeah. Whereas before, you'd have to go to London, go to try and get a, a meeting with an A and R. Whereas now, the industry is now online because they're not in offices, so they're online. You've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be you've got to think forward. You've got to put yourself out there if you want to be recognised. It's not the same as live, but no. then again, you know, you've just got to go with it until until we can be live again, you know? So true. Um, yeah, and you can't, like, shoot people down for just wanting to be creative and connected. Like, that's why I ended up doing the podcast, you know, virtually, because I was like, well, otherwise I'm going to be sitting here for a year, not really working and not doing the podcast, which I love. Like, that's, you know, that's just a hobby. It's a creative outlet for me. And it's been a total godsend. Like, you're talking about the mental health aspect of this year and, like, that in itself, just to be able to still make something and be creative and talk to people and have good conversations about stuff that we love. Like, what's better than that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, of course, I'd much rather be in the room with you, do you know what I mean? And I would have made you a cup of tea or something. But, <laughs> you know, you've got to, like, the silver linings and all that. You've got to be appreciative of the opportunities that we've all got right now to be connected you know and and like coming out of lockdown whenever that happens and going back into reality it'll just be like a new a refreshed sense of like let's do this let's nail this i reset let's go yeah exactly oh i can't wait teenagers again chris will be like teenagers will be full of energy i know i know that's the thing i mean 
there's a lot of singers. I have to take my hat off to them who have been going online faithfully entertaining people because it is, it's that whole, when you, when you go from doing that every night, every week, you know, to not doing it, they do need to get it out of their system and they do have mm. to do it. And, you know, we're, we're an industry who hasn't been supported by the government and we have been, you know, seen as not viable, which is really hurtful when it's, when it is everything to you. And you think of all the different ways that you help people, whether it be a charity performance, whether it be yeah. raising funds, whether it be being the face of this or, you know, the vehicle to, to do whatever, you know. And that's just the, the artists. What about all the crew? What about all the people yeah. that support us when we're doing our shows? The riggers, the, the drivers, the sound guys, the lighting guys, the catering. Yeah. It, it's affected everybody. People that are established, like, like household names, you know, you think, well, they're fine. They've got money in the bank. But it's the people that do it like a, like, you know, a bread and butter. Yeah. You know, these are the people that are that are really struggling and haven't been supported. You know, I'm just grateful that I've been able to mm. stay afloat, you know, doing bits and bobs. Um, it's uh, it's been it's been tough in that aspect of it. But the online thing, we, I find sometimes every door, every door was closed and every time I tried to create some kind of opportunities for the choir, even for the singers. And it was so destroyed, you know, like how do we stay online? How do we keep an online presence? When there's nothing happening, like in a normal week, you'd be you, how many gigs, right? We take a little snapshot of that, post it. Thanks for this. Thanks for being a great crowd in wherever Glasgow yes. you were great tonight. But there's nothing, so you're looking at memories and trying to keep the yeah. keep the fire burning. And in actual fact, it's like, well, people know that's taken from you know 2019's memories, and it's quite hard when you see. It's like all Facebook's pure taunting me with all these amazing memories, like because it's coming up to the cupcakes twelfth birthday this month, so it's just like constant pictures of us doing our thing and videos, and I'm like, I all right, <laughs> I'm in my house, I'm in yeah. this cupboard waiting to get out. <laughs> I know, I know. If we had just been on that train of doing our thing and doing our thing, like maybe this wouldn't have happened, Chris. Maybe we wouldn't have had this opportunity to sit down and talk. Yeah, so it could possibly be trans transferred to some kind of hypnosis. Uh, go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Thanks. So, yeah, Chris Judge is you know spilling his life story. So it's available on that. You know, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Or, or for for two pounds a month, you can support Chris. You know, <laughs> have a life. Get back to normality. I just look forward to seeing everybody back doing the thing for sure. Now, I didn't you tell too. you about this aspect of the podcast. It's called the, the Hingamajigs, and they're just random questions that I like to select from a list for my guests. If you could only sing one song forevermore, which song would it be? Mm, a change is going to come. Yeah, Sam Cooke. A change is going to come. Let's hope it does soon. I was going to say the Star Spangled Banner because I'm I'm obsessed by the Star Spangled Banner because it's a song that brings so much drama. All the big, amazing voices of the world always mess it up or something goes <laughs> wrong with it. And so I, I'm always on YouTube if someone's done a version of it. You know, there's uh -huh. so many great Star Spangled Banners. And obviously Whitney Houston, I believe, is still the reigning champion. She nailed it at the Super Bowl. But so many people just kind of get it right. I mean, even at the inauguration, it was mine because they're too scared to... To do it live, I'll tell you. Uh, this this is another side story, right? I was I was actually asked. This is I'm mortified. I was invited to sing the Star Spangled Banner with uh, with a police choir, and they were doing some special 9/11 tribute. So I was to sing a soulful version of the Star Spangled Banner, and a beautiful singer sang a classical version of Amazing Grace. It all came together, and it was absolutely beautiful. But I have to say, back to the whole nerves thing. 
it was a busy week and you know I was the professional there to sing with the choir and um I was fine I'm standing at the side of the stage I was trying to get the words into my head because the words are not like like a regular song it was quite yeah. quite difficult quite wordy and um I could not get the words in my head so finally I'm pacing I'm down I thought right right I'm fine I'm good to go I'm standing at the side of the stage and one of the choir member goes well are you nervous I was like, no, not at all. You know, thinking, <laughs> I'm fine. Um, you know, and then then she went, well, this is the big one. You know, you're, you know, this is getting streamed live to New York to the Carnegie Hall, and you're a special guest. So I'm smiling at her. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually, I got myself worked up in such a frenzy. My legs start to shake. So I'm trying to spasm my leg out and straighten. I'm going, come on, Chris, come on, sort yourself out here. Jesus. But what a, what a state I got into it. And do you think I could remember the first line? Oh, no. It just went out of my head. So that I thought, that'll teach you, Chris. Next time, learn the bloody song. You know, <laughs> you're not that good that you can't even, you know, learn, do your homework. And, and, I, and I learned a valuable lesson. I thought, right, okay. Homework Next done. time somebody asks you to do something that's important, don't just be flippant about it. Don't just go, ah, it's fine. I'll work that out. Because normally, you know what it's like. I'll learn that. That'll take me two minutes. So I'll do that. That just shows you how busy my life must have been that I, I didn't have the time to learn that song. So there is something in the Star Spangled Banner that there is a curse. I think you've got to take it seriously. Yes. <laughs> Don't be a diva. Learn the words. Learn the song. And if a wee muppet to the choir goes, are you nervous? Just smile and go, yes, I'm nervous. And then you'll be fine. That's like your mum said to you the day about coming on this podcast and don't you say, uh, mm, uh. <laughs> don't say, uh, don't say, um, um, yeah, I bet you've done it thousands as well. You haven't, you haven't, you've been perfectly well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the next question? I'm intrigued. Who or what makes you laugh? <laughs> uh, the kids and the cats. At the moment, it's the kids and the cats. How many cats I've have got you got? Two, I know you've got two kids. Right, <laughs> right. so I've got right, right, two kids and they're very, very funny. I mean, obviously they're part of me and uh, Nadine, so I do fear for what the future's <laughs> going to be like, but they're always at the wind-up. And I've got two cats that were lockdown purchases and, and I mean, I was not a big lover of cats, but they've, they've, they've stolen my heart. They're amazing me things. They're called Roxy and Velma after oh, the of Chicago course, of course. killers. And... Um, <laughs> Roxy has got this big stupid fat face and she's hilarious and <laughs> she just makes me laugh and um, yeah so the, the cats they're hilarious the kids are hilarious I think if you were to talk about comedy who makes me laugh I have to say Billy Conley yeah. I'm so glad I got to see him he was my dad and I loved him and I managed we'd go and see go and see Billy Conley a few times live and female uh, Jenny Godley I just yes. I mean I've known Jenny for a few years People, she's famous for doing the voiceovers, but as a stand-up, oh, she is so funny. She just says what people think, and she's just so direct, you know, with yeah. everything. You know, I love her, I love her a bit. She's great, and you know, she's such a kind person. She gets a she gets a hard time on Twitter. People oh. are really brutal to her and, and really just horrible. Not, not a nice space at all. I've learned, and I'm thinking they don't. They only know what they see, like on socials and stuff. They don't know the real person. Because she's such a sweetheart. When we had our 40th birthday party at the Well Cabaret, she was there doing a gig and she just came on and did a, she did a wee surprise spot without even telling me. Oh, just nice got up and, and did a wee turn and she had the place and aesthetics. And she did a family-friendly version because there was kids in that there. <laughs> uh, she's a legend. She's so, she's so kind. The stuff that she does for food bank charities, for oh, there's so much she does behind the scenes that people, the, the haters will never know. Yeah, she makes me laugh so much that I can't breathe. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> no, it's so, so funny. 
<laughs> Here's a random one. Favourite childhood meal? Oh, it was always Finder's crispy pancakes. Yes. All oh, right. Okay. The mince ones or the kind of, I don't know what it was, chicken-y type one? Chicken and ham yes, kind of thing. Right. Yep. Aye. <laughs> and then I remember getting them like years later and they seemed a lot weird. And I was like, is it just because I'm bigger or have they shrunk in size? <laughs> aye, probably. Aye. Everything's weird, isn't it? Raging. <laughs> Can you handle two more? Yeah, go for it. This is the best. I, I, I like this better. We should have just done it like this. <laughs> Everybody always says that about the hangamajigs. I'm like, no. <laughs> Hingley's a funny word. Hingley's a word that normally gets used when somebody owes you money. And you and you say, when am I getting paid? And then they say things, I'll, I'll hang me that, hang me, and we'll hang me that, and we'll hang me, and, and that'll hang me that. And I'm like, what? You will pay me when? When am I getting paid? That's the joy of <laughs> self-employment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could duet with anyone, now, obviously you've had the privilege of duetting with a lot of people, but if you could duet with anyone, who would it be? Obviously Whitney, Whitney yeah. Houston, amazing. Um, Aretha Franklin. Mm. Probably Luther Vandross. <gasps> yes. Love his voice. So, so it's the dead people or the dead people I want to sing with. Because I know I, I can't sing with them. But um, yeah, I loved Luther Vandross's voice. Quentin Houston or Luther. Yep. Mm. Is that a bit predictable? No, not at all. No, there's like, I mean, obviously amazing voices yeah. like yourself. So makes sense. Ah, see. Yeah, see. you've got, you're, all, you're, I mean, I don't feel like I've gushed enough. Like your voice is just insane. And the last question that I ask everyone, so I usually switch them up, but the last one um, I ask everyone this, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, I like numpty. That's a good one. Um, phrase. Oh, there's too many phrases. The one that annoys me is when people say, oh, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I put a wee thing, like a wee question about things people say eh, on my Facebook recently and so many people came back with some belters. <laughs> But it is, people say, oh, well, it is what it is. Then they'll, they'll explain, no, but it actually is what it is. But see, when you think about it, it is what it is. I'm like, oh, just, that's just such a waste of time. What's for you, they'll go by you, these kind of things, you know. It's true. They, they are true, though, you know. But they're kind of just like things that your granny said, you know, and yes. they kind of keep they keep going. Or the funny ones, like the Billy Conley, if you fall, then you come running to me, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love all of that. Um, <laughs> the best one Billy Conley said was, I'll make you smile on the other side of your face <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, I love I love all of that stuff <laughs> yeah I numpty I think numpty's Numpty a good, good word it's one that you're not going to have to bleep out you know there's probably more that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. numpty is, is it's a belter for sure it's a good one but it doesn't it certainly doesn't describe you sir you are no numpty for sure <laughs> well I've been called a lot worse <laughs> God, a lot worse. Chris, this has been an absolute joy, and I will say for the record, like you've done everything to like actually make this happen today because technology was not <laughs> on our side. So I massively appreciate it. It's been lovely to chat to you. It's been it's been like therapy in a sense, so I so thanks for that. Who the invoice? I'll hang me you, and you can hang me me back, and we'll hang I'll me. I'll hang me you. Oh, oh, my, we'll hang me that. Hang my me. connection's bad. Oh, oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now. <laughs>